Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and I am joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. You can catch us online at sknr.net. You can catch my weekly radio segments on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KISWFM. Just simply go to KISW. Uh, com and follow the links if you are not in the Seattle area. We also simulcast it on our page. New segment usually goes up on Friday. Go to Pinal, P-I-N-A-L Central.com, keyword skewed, and you could see our gaming reviews and other content and the Pinal Central Network of Papers. And, of course, we have skewed and reviewed the magazine. We're currently working on the new issue, which should be out next week. And very happy to say that... Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it or not, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Uh, Amazon is going to be adding uh, podcasts and shows of that sort to their Amazon Music. Apparently, they're hoping to launch in October, and they've asked us to be part of their inaugural launch, so we accepted that. So new outlets, you know, between iHeartRadio and iTunes and Spotify and all the others, we're getting into more and more of the bigger outlets, and that really helps, and I think changing to fireside as our host has definitely been a step in the right direction so uh we're going to discuss all things movies pop culture news video games and such as we usually do and this week we have a little bit more video game heavy stuff hasn't really been a lot of news that uh, sparked our interest on the tv and movie side but i did want to start with something from that next week we'll be discussing new york comic-con and the panels and such that are uh coming for that but Warner Brothers Home Entertainment has released the Blu-ray slash digital version of the CW show Stargirl. And uh, this is the complete first season. I have not had a chance to watch this yet, uh, but I am looking forward to it. And it is uh, interesting because this is the brand new series that they're kicking uh, things off. And they're hoping for a very big future to it. And one of the interesting things is that we learned this week that Supergirl is going to be concluding after the upcoming season. Uh, but under, uh, my understanding that in the next week or two, all of the CW shows that have not uh, resumed production, specifically the hero shows, will be in full production. So we'll be seeing that. I know this evening Fox is kicking off things with the return of the animated shows, including some of the new voice talent uh on the show so it'll be interesting to see where we are in the next few weeks now uh things got really interesting this week when out of the blue bethesda uh was purchased uh partnered with call it what you will but essentially microsoft paid over seven billion dollars to i think it was seven and a half billion if the number was correct to uh purchase bethesda and their affiliated companies so, uh, Justin, start us off. What did you think about this, and what do you think it means going forward? Um, honestly, pretty shocking. This kind of came out of nowhere, um, and you know, I didn't hear any rumblings of, of something like this happening. So, uh, I was pretty surprised by it, um, and I think you know a lot of people were. Uh, Bethesda is a pretty huge company, so um, you know this isn't like just some studio. Bethesda has several studios under it. You know, if anything, Bethesda seemed like it was on the up and up and becoming kind of like, a, you know, one of the giants like EA or or Activision. I mean, obviously, they weren't that size, but, you know, um, 
if you look at kind of like who participates in E3 and things like that, Bethesda had a huge presence in the video game industry and they were um, kind of on the rise. It, it seemed like they were becoming uh, a giant and they were sort of on, on the path to becoming one of the big, big publishers. So uh, this, this is honestly really surprising. Um, lately, Microsoft has been buying some, uh, some studios, but they were kind of individual studios kind of like what you would expect, uh, um, you know, someone like Sony or, um, you know, EA or, or Activision, they usually pick up a studio here, a studio there. Uh, but this was um, pretty monumental uh, because of how large Bethesda is. Now, uh, obviously, this comes with a lot of questions for exclu exclusivity. Uh, I think that was the first thing people were kind of pointing out are, are Bethesda games now going to only be on Xbox. Fortunately, uh, Microsoft in the last several years has um, sort of changed its stance on exclusivity. And you know this this was sort of something that even when they did this a while ago, a while ago, several years ago, it surprised me. But they they seem to be less uh, aggressive about uh, making sure that titles are exclusive on the Xbox. Uh, they, they tend to have uh, titles released simultaneously on Xbox and PC. And this has been sort of a, a strategy of theirs uh, for, for some time. And this is, you know, for people like me, extre extremely, uh, um, extremely good. You know, I, I, I'm very fortunate, uh, very thankful that Microsoft has taken that stance as of several years ago, because, uh, you know, for, for someone like me, when I weigh whether I'm gonna buy a console or not, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a significant investment, and uh, a lot of it comes down to exclusivity. But me being a primarily a PC gamer, I'm I'm thankful that Microsoft has kind of opened up and allowed a lot of their titles to release on Windows uh, along with Xbox. Um, so I think, given that, uh, a lot of the Bethesda titles will likely still be on PC. Uh, I don't think there's a huge danger there that uh, that they'll be exclusive. I think the bigger question is whether uh, they're going to appear on the PlayStation. I think that's much less likely. I think I have read that uh, a lot of the ones that already have agreements to appear on the PlayStation consoles are going to continue to uh, honor those agreements, and they'll they'll also be on the PlayStation console. It's just I think future titles will likely not be. Um, you know, as far as like Microsoft becoming more of like the the micromanager, I think that was another concern people had. Uh, of Bethesda, I don't think that's a huge concern. I guess I've also read that they'll be semi-autonomous, uh, meaning Microsoft will will not take a direct hand in uh, in guiding what Bethesda does. Uh, that a lot of their structure will remain the state remain the same, and a lot of the way that they operate will remain the same. So hopefully this won't you know mean that yeah the quality of Bethesda will change much, um, given that uh, you know. I think most of us here are, are fans of what Bethesda does. Uh, that that's hopefully uh, how they'll they'll continue to operate going forward. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, we'll have to kind of see how this shakes out, but definitely a pretty big move. And you know, I've heard rumblings that maybe Microsoft is interested in buying some other companies as well. Which uh, you know, this sets a precedent that uh, maybe they're willing to to buy some larger publishers and not just uh, a studio here or there. 
And Michael, your take, please. Yeah, I think this is probably some of the biggest gaming news we've had for a long time. You know, one of the things that Microsoft and we've heard, you know, has been pushing and something that um, they offer that's an incredible value is their Game Pass, right? For $9.99 a month, um, you can get Xbox games. They have, already have 100 backlog, plus they'll be adding all the Bethesda backlogs to this. Plus, Microsoft has already said that any new games coming out from Microsoft Studios, which we're assuming Bethesda as well, will be free, same-day released on Game Pass. So what we're talking about now is for $9.99 a month, if you have an Xbox, now you can get all those brand-new titles for free. And that means you don't need to pay the 60 And what we see now, and we're starting to see more of, is the new console games are going to be starting to go up in price to from $59.99 to $69.99. We've already seen a couple of those. I expect that to be the case going forward um, because, let's face it, um, the larger visuals, the amount of space that those take up both on your hard drive and on uh, media is going to increase the cost of producing things on um, high-definition Blu-ray versus standard Blu-ray is going to be more expensive. So um, I think we're going to start seeing games that are released exclusively for those New next-gen consoles will probably hit a price point of around $69.99. That's the expectation. Um, and to to go along with uh, the exclusivity part, with the fact that Xbox has already said the games will be releasing for PC and Xbox, you can up your Ultimate Game Pass to $14.99 a month, and that gives you all the games on PC and on Xbox uh, for a relatively inexpensive price. You know, you could spend... $60 on a new Bethesda game, or you can just pay the $10 a month, and that gives you six months of game time on that new game. And for a lot of folks, um, you know, if they get the new consoles, they don't necessarily have the money to buy a bunch of games. So if they're getting the incredible backlog of games that this is going to bring, as well as the new releases that it's going to bring, I, you know, it's an incredible value. Um, one thing that I haven't heard about yet, but I think would be another winning selling point would be if they start adding ESO um, subscriptions and the Fallout 76 subscription-based stuff into Game Pass, even if that means is adding the price, you know, a dollar or two to the price, that would be another incredible deal. Um, it, you know, Microsoft's been saying, you know, their, their main competitor isn't Sony. They don't see Sony as a competitor at all anymore because they're focused more on streaming services. They're more focused on, we don't care if you buy an Xbox or if you play it on your iPad or you play it on your phone or you play it on another device. You know, I've been using game streaming at home for a long time and I, I do most of my, you know, I, I play a lot of my PC games uh, on my iPad uh, using something like, um, uh, you know, the uh, Steam Link software. Um, so it, it's already a viable thing, particularly uh, in in your house. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't stream them remotely, but it all depends on the quality of your connection wherever you are remotely. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is a, a huge win. One of the interesting things we heard is that, you know, Xbox sold out in Japan within minutes, um, much like it did in the U.S. Uh, that was one of the things that Xbox has always struggled. Now, to be fair, they probably didn't have the amount of consoles set up for that release. But the fact that it sold out as quickly um, tends to be that they're they're being pretty aggressive um, worldwide. And, and like Justin said, we've heard other rumblings that this is not the only big studio purchase that is in the works from Microsoft. You know, Sega had been going around, you know, the thought of them purchasing Sega had been going around for a while. That hasn't, uh, we haven't seen any proof that that's the case, and it certainly hasn't been announced yet. Um, but there, it, Microsoft has said that there are other big gaming studios that will be joining their ranks. 
Um, you know, again, Bethesda being one of those major ones, but if we start to see other, uh, you know, major, uh, you know, developers that are coming under the Microsoft umbrella, uh, that's a huge win for, I think, PC gamers and Xbox gamers. You know, Microsoft did say that, you know, they're going to be looking at exclusivity on a case-by-case basis after Bethesda has uh, fulfilled their um, co- their contracts with the uh, PlayStation early release for some of these games. Now, well, does that mean that Microsoft's not going to release games on, or Bethesda's not going to release games on PlayStation 5? I don't know. Uh, but I could see that they might either delay the release, kind of like we see Sony does with Steam games now. They'll d- delay the release by a year um, at, so you know we see that with other other titles as well that are that are tend to release on Sony and then a year later come out on PC. Uh, I think the other thing that we have to kind of keep in mind with all this as well is that you know they're still going to be pushing because again consoles are are a loss leader for um, for both Microsoft and Sony. I mean if the more consoles they sell, the more money they lose because they're producing these at you know a couple hundred dollars more. They're selling these for a couple hundred dollars less than what they can make them for. So it's actually the, the services, the uh, Xbox Gold, the um, Sony One, the um, Game Pass. Those are where they make their money. They don't really make their money on the consoles at all, and it's all based on the game releases. So if you start seeing folks that are big Bethesda fans who can get a game, play all the new games and all the old games for 10 bucks a month versus spending 60 bucks on a new game, um, I could see that being a huge draw for um, the Xbox crowd. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, going forward, what 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 kind of news we come up with? What other things does Microsoft have up their sleeves? Um, again, they were looking to spend a lot of money, uh, you know, on Bethesda, so that t- tells us they're willing to dig deep to get some of these studios. And again, with their focus on Game Pass and game streaming, they're pulling away from consoles and and looking more to compete with um, Stadia and Amazon's new s- service. And really, I think that's kind of the future, honestly. Uh, I think, you know, being able to play, uh, you know, I have a Steam link that I use on my P- on my TV in their living room, very much plays almost exactly the same as it does on my PC. That Steam link, I think I bought, paid for 20 bucks, hooks up with an Xbox controller, and I can play all my PC games on the couch. Um, so I think streaming, particularly now with the quality of um, signals and, and the ability to stream these things even more, you know, even, you know, better remotely, I think that's the wave of the future. And again, we've seen Google had... Uh, their 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 approach, I think, was more of a problem than their service. That being, you have to buy the games on their service to play them. I think with Microsoft's approach and how Steam does their approach, where if you own the game and you can stream it wherever and you don't need to purchase it again, um, that seems to be a much better um, philosophy going forward. And again, with Xbox uh, Game Pass starting to be the new Netflix of PC games, you know, with a lot of that included for free and your ability to stream some of your Xbox games to PC and vice versa. I think we're in for a generational change in how we kind of visit consoles and how we play games. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting news. I'm, I'm excited to see what else comes out of it. And that's very interesting, too, because there were rumors before these uh, consoles were officially announced and revealed were ship dates that there were those thinking, well, this could be the last generation of consoles because in seven, eight years' time, it may not be necessary to um, have physical units of this sort in order to uh, play things. Now, 
Others said, well, it's kind of like the PC. People would say it's dead as a gaming platform, and then it rose back up in prominence and so on and so forth. So um, it, it'll be interesting. You know, you look at companies. We talked about the new NVIDIA cards last week. They don't seem to think that these graphic cards are going away anytime soon. So they're doubling down. But, you know, as we've said, seven years is a long time. I, I definitely could see it becoming. Um, I, I look at it similar to the rise of streaming on video. It's not going to replace people going to the theaters. It hasn't replaced people going out and buying uh, DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff like that but it sure has impacted the numbers doing that. And so it'll be interesting to see. Now, briefly, you mentioned uh, Amazon's new service. So, Michael, why don't you expand on that a little bit and tell us what Luna is all about, please? Yeah, so Luna is kind of the new Amazon streaming service. They're, they're, it looks to me like they're kind of attempting to model what Google Stadia has done. And, and they don't have – I didn't see that they have a lot of new titles out there. And one of the, the problems, this is where I think Microsoft gets it right and where Google and Amazon get it completely wrong, is that they're they're trying to service it more as a, you know, and, and Amazon's better than Google, at least where they're trying to service it more as like a, a rental service. Um, Google, I think, went the opposite way of trying to make you purchase the game but allow you to play it anywhere, which I think was completely off the mark. Um, but what Amazon's, I think, trying to do is match similar to what Game Pass does is allow you to pay a monthly fee to be able to stream newer games, um, you know, across several devices. Again, you can stream it on, you know, your iPad or your, your you know, your anything like that, your phone. Um, so if your Android phone, your, your iOS st type stuff. Um, and again, that's that's another service, again, for people who don't want to have an Xbox and don't have a PC um, and they just want to be able to stream using Amazon service. Again, that's something that's um, another viable option. What I, I kind of worry about and we're starting to see this is, you know, how many additional streaming services for games have we do we need and what are the sort of devices that that you can do for that? I think Microsoft still is going to be the leader of that, at least for a while. Um, I, I don't. I, I just can't see Google Stadia. You know, we don't hear a lot about it. They're still releasing games for it, but again, I think a lot of people don't want to buy games on that service with the expectation that it may not last forever. I mean, I think a lot of people, even in the beginning with Steam, were a little bit, a little bit leery about buying their games on a service that could potentially disappear at some point. Um, I think that's obviously with how with the success of Steam, that isn't as much of a concern. But even looking back, if you go back 10 years, 12 years when Steam, even though it had millions of users, there were still those concerns of what happens if Steam shuts down? Do I lose all my games? Do I have any other opportunity to play them? And I think that's where the Google Stadia um, kind of misses the mark is it's that same thing, right? If, if Google decides, yeah, this isn't working and you just spent money on games, you know, and they go away, where do you play those games? You just don't. Um, so I think Amazon, much like Microsoft, gives you the opportunity to play those games that you're paying a subscription for. If you decide not to pay the subscription anymore, yes, you lose those games. Uh, but that's not a matter of you spending 60 bucks a game or 50 bucks a game and having those services go away. Uh, so, yeah, it's again, we're kind of like streaming services. I think we're going to start seeing an uptick in a lot of these types of services, some better than others. And, and exclusivity on those platforms might be an interesting thing too from a streaming perspective 
but yeah, something we'll have to keep our eye on. And Justin, do you have a take on this? Yeah. So, you know, I definitely agree. You know, my concern, my initial concern would be just how saturated this space is becoming. And this is sort of something that keeps coming up with just streaming services in general. Um, You know, there's only so many that people are going to be willing to to pay for, you know, on top of their normal, obviously their normal network uh, internet service. That's obviously a monthly subscription, but you know, then uh, plenty of people obviously have have Netflix, and then there's all these different channels that uh, have their own streaming services, and then now we're, we're, we're getting into video games as well. I mean, obviously, you know, for people who aren't enthusiasts that, uh, you know, don't have their own uh, computer, um, that, like, gaming computer, or, you know, they don't want to pay the, um, the amount of money to get a, a high-end console, um, this is a, a decent, you know, the... the Video game streaming services are, are a decent idea, um, is, as long as you have a solid um, network um, uh, performance. Then you know I, I think this is a, a pretty decent, um, a pretty decent deal. You know, I'm looking at the page right now. It's only like six dollars a month. Uh, so you know, if you live in a major city that has pretty good uh, bandwidth and, and network infrastructure, you know, I don't think it's that bad of a bad of a deal. But again, it does go back to how many streaming services are, are people really going to be willing to pay for um and like michael said you know this is basically just a uh, a rental service essentially uh you don't own any of the games that are inside of it uh but you know that might might appeal to some people i i just don't you know i, I think that another problem with this is that uh of just getting getting the word out there i mean i didn't even know about this service until uh just a little bit ago so um i had not even heard of it uh and that's an issue with a lot of these services is what what is available uh and how do they expand um their market share i mean when when i'm looking at this the list of games that are available through the service um they really don't have a an official list but they have a screenshot with several games that are uh, i'm assuming are going to be available and most of these are uh titles that you can get on pretty much tons of different platforms between PlayStation, Xbox, and, you know, Steam, and other, uh, other platforms as well, so, you know, this goes back to an exclusivity thing, uh, a lot of the, a lot of these people might already have devices that, that support this, uh, support these games, so, you know, then you get into the question of, uh, if I really want to play, like, the new Halo game, uh, and it's not, included in my six dollar a month service am i really going to be willing to 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 pay this some more i mean uh between that and like you know the spider-man game or you know a lot of these other exclusives that come with these consoles that are only available on playstation xbox or nintendo uh i just don't know if this is really going to be that big of a sell for a lot of people um especially if they already have like a laptop that supports most of these these titles like through steam um, so we'll see, I suppose. I mean, Amazon's obviously a huge company, and they can bankroll this, and they can keep it running for as long as uh, as long as they need to. I mean, same, same thing with with Google. Um, they have a lot of financial backing. This isn't like uh, you know a, a new company that really needs to to be successful to to keep it going. So we'll see, I suppose. I mean, I think this is a new space, um, and we'll, we'll kind of continue to see it expand more as uh, network bandwidth, you know, is improved across the country. 
Uh, I think this could be appealing for a lot of people that don't really want to uh, really invest all that much into a, a device, um, like a console or a gaming PC. But that being said, I'd also be concerned about the saturation. Yeah, it does give a lot of uh, debate as to the future of this kind of thing. And I think in order for something to take off, other things are going to have to fail. I'll, you know, albeit there was a lot of talk, people said, oh, uh, all this rise of Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and Peacock and HBO Max, you know, people aren't going to Hulu and everybody can't sustain all of these things. And so far, they've found their marketplace. Now, some have been much more successful than others. And, you know, it, it's just a really interesting time with all of this stuff going on. It'll be very uh, interesting to see what the future holds for this. And I think the above all thing is people need to keep making quality games that will hold the gaming community's interest, regardless of what platform they're playing on. And that brings us to our next topic, and that is this week. Um, our mod community, with the support of Valve, released what they're calling the final update for Left 4 Dead 2. Many of us had thought that uh, the game had uh, long since stopped getting any kind of update. I did not even have it installed anymore, so I installed it. And there's, of course, some new maps uh, for some of the various modes. There's a new campaign They've added new weapons, so on and so forth. And so, Justin, you and I used to play this back in the day. Uh, wrote an article yesterday that's getting a lot of attention today. And my question is pretty simple. Uh, does the initial success, uh, turned on last night, there was over 74,000 people playing the PC version of it. Does the initial success of Left 4 Dead send a very big wake-up call to Valve that this is a viable franchise and people want more? You know, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that it really will change the way Valve behaves regarding their, their releases. I think, they, I think Valve is perfectly aware of uh, which... Uh, which titles of theirs people are clamoring for a sequel to, and I, you know, which is all of them actually. So you know, I think anybody would eat absolutely eat up a new Portal game. Uh, obviously, Half Life Three uh, has been just a one of the most hotly uh, requested, wanted titles like that I can even remember. Uh, constantly, people are um, trying to dig for every little clue to uh, to prove that Half Life Three is being worked on. You know, and, and same thing with Left 4 Dead. You know, I think ab absolutely Valve no has known for a long time that another Left 4 Dead would absolutely do um, a lot of, uh, uh, would be hugely successful. Um, but, you know, Valve Valve moves at Valve's pace. Um, Valve doesn't necessarily really um, bend to to any of the, uh, in, any of the will of, of what their players want. Uh, they will release games uh, at the rate that they want to release them, unfortunately. Um, you know, I guess, unfortunately for us. Uh, that being said, you know, uh, one thing that is fortunate about Valve is that they've always been very open to working with the mod community. Um, I kind of, this reminds me a little bit of uh, that, that Half-Life 1 remake, uh, Black Mesa Source, that was being made on the Source engine. Uh, Valve actually helped them complete the title, um, and gave it their blessing and let them sell it on, on Steam, which is absolutely unheard of. Like, most companies would, would totally DMCA that kind of project. Um, 
but Valve, you know, has always been very uh, friendly to their mod community and their their just their entire gaming community in general and all of their fans. Uh, so the fact that they are willing to give like their grace to uh, to the community and like their projects to kind of expand on their own titles and their own games is is pretty awesome actually. It's pretty unprecedented. And most companies don't behave this way. But I guess the the downside is that you know even even uh, showing how much interest there is in, in a Left 4 Dead title, um, it doesn't really move Valve very much. Uh, Valve will release another Left 4 Dead game when it thinks that uh, it has a good game to release. Uh, I guess the one silver lining is that we'll probably be seeing some more uh, of Valve soon. Uh, they just released Half-Life Alex, and it was very successful uh, in terms of, like, um, response. It, it had a lot of uh, positive response from the community and uh, reviewed very well with critics as well. So um, maybe we're kind of now entering a new era where Valve is willing to uh, release games now. So hopefully we'll be seeing some more soon. Uh, but it's probably going to be a couple years. And Michael, your take, please. Yeah, I think Valve still struggles to f figure out what they want to be. You know, I think they're making plenty of money in the digital release space, so I don't think that game development has been a priority for them. I even think Half-Life Alex was less about them making a game and more about selling their Valve Index. You know, for as as most people know, uh, Valve and HTC teamed up to do the um, the Vive when it first came out, but then Valve went on to do their own uh, Valve Index VR system. And they really, I think, needed something to sell that. Uh, again, it's it's one of the, it's probably it's the most expensive VR system, but it's also the highest fidelity, highest refresh, you know, and, and generally, it's the highest um, rated of the VR market for the price. Again, if you're willing to pay the thousand dollars for the headset and the controllers and everything else, uh, the one thing about that, though, thankfully, is it does they do work with the HTC products, so you don't need to buy the new lighthouses, for example, to work with the headset. Uh, you don't need the controllers. Um, but I, I think that they still kind of struggle to be. Are they? Do they want to be a hardware manufacturer um, with the? You know, this, everybody remembers Steam OS and the Steam machines. Um, you know, they they did the link stuff so you could um, stream those you know games to your your, your to your you know your PC. I mean, from your PC to your TV. Now they have the link service that you can stream it to your phones. So you don't even need the, the device anymore to actually stream anything. You can stream it directly to your uh, Apple TV. You can stream it directly to your iPad. You can stream it directly to your iPhone. You can stream it to Android devices. Um, so I think the uh, and the fact that they're willing to work so well with the mod community and allow the mod community to do those kinds of releases, I don't know how much of an interest they continue to have in game development. Again, I think they, they're all well aware of the fact that the Portal games, I think Portal 2 did fairly well. Um, I know that they know Half-Life 3 will be a, a, a commanding hit, given the opportunity. I don't think there was any concern about the Left 4 Dead franchise. You know, we've seen them go um, and release, again, Half-Life 2, I mean, um, Left 4 Dead 2, um, as well as um, the Half-Life games, as well as the um, portal games we've seen those released on on xbox 360 on playstation so clearly they're able to um, and willing to work with console manufacturers that being said there just is isn't a lot of grumbling outside of valve from a development studio perspective 
you know, again, maybe that's not their focus, or maybe they're they're waiting for consoles to catch up to PCs so they could release a um, a new Half Life Three, for example. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. I think the fact that they're willing to work with the mod community is fantastic. It allows them to continue to breathe good life into these games um, with new release content that they're not actively devoted to developing for. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, if Valve chooses to do any more game development. I agree with Justin. It probably won't be for several years. I expect that if they want to continue to push their Valve Index headsets, we might see more VR-based titles come out of there. Uh, I don't know that we'll see a lot of console push um, anytime in the near future. But with the new consoles and their and their power and their ability to drive some of these things, maybe that's something they're waiting for. And we just have to wait and see. Yeah, and it, it's uh, so interesting because, you know, Valve has always done things their own way. They announced Half-Life 2 out of the blue with a very short um, window till release, and then something came up and they had to delay it. Uh, they announced Left 4 Dead 2, only it followed a year after Left 4 Dead 1, and then silence. And there has been a lot of talk that we've even mentioned this, how they're more concerned about the revenue Steam generates than going into the you know risk of investing all this money into new games, even though it's a pretty safe bet they're going to sell. Well, now this has changed because I think whether they want to admit it or not, they're facing some serious competition from Epic, who has uh, scored some major hits with their... Uh, service particularly borderlands 3 being able to get that for almost i think it was a year before it was made available on steam and uh more and more people and yes there is the backlash from people saying i'm not going to buy it on epic i'll just wait but the bottom line is there are options and other companies such as bethesda has their setup ubisoft has one ea has one there's a lot of the indie ones and you know you play that game it's kind of like that whole thing bringing it back to the topic uh, earlier of what will Bethesda do with their games. Well, there I saw one industry analyst saying they're expecting over 200 million PlayStation 5 units sold over the life of the system. That's a massive amount of marketplace that you don't want to exclude. All you need to do is look back to Titanfall 1, and there were rumors that down the road when they saw how well the PlayStation was selling... They were looking for ways to get out of their exclusive uh, contract for the game, and what, even though it was available on PC. And when the option for Titanfall 2 came out, they were like, nope, we are not doing any exclusives. We're making this to as wide a base as possible. And I see this as a similar thing here. Valve has got competition on the publishing platform thing. I've had people tell me that Half-Life Alex very clearly sets up future chapters in the series. We've been hearing for ages about oh, this leaked and this shows that, you know, from a Valve database that sequels to all three of the classic games are in the works. Well, I'm going to throw another curveball at you. Uh, let's not forget Back for Blood, which was announced, and this is the one from Turtle Rock Studios that uh, created the original game. It is, you know, by their own words, a spiritual successor to left for dead or as some people say and updated modern graphics modern features left for bed but then here's the curveball to it we've not heard much since the announcement because 
they are in production with Warner Brothers Interactive, the same studio who recently was rumored to be up for sale and had Microsoft looking at it before we were told, oh, nope, they pulled it off the table. Next thing you know, Microsoft buys Bethesda. Now, is this going to come back in? Who knows? But one of the arguments I made in a thing I pointed out is maybe we're not seeing a lot about it because, A, you know, you've got the pandemic, no conventions, and B, do you really want to be out touting a game when a new buyer could come in and say, yeah, no, 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 don't like it, this needs to change, this needs to change, or nope, don't like it, can it, it's not far enough along, or worse, let's change it around so it's exclusive for this platform or whatever when it's already been announced for all these other platforms. So, you know, the world is a very uh, changing place, but I do think it shows that Left 4 Dead is as popular as always, and, you know, people have said, well, Valve have gone so far as to admit they dropped the ball by not putting more priority on gaming the last few years. Uh, so, you know, we will see. It'll be a very interesting uh, path going forward, but if you have not had a chance to play it, it is a lot of fun. I mean, I had to go and definitely do some learning to get back into it, and I'm hoping uh, all of us can get in there and give it a shot soon. The last thing that I wanted to end with is we've talked about Knott's Berry Farm doing the Halloween celebration, and we've been getting a lot of nice pictures in at um, various times showing how well they've done with this. This was the limited admission, masks are required, have to buy a tasting card, go in and sample various tasting events in the park. Well, we have learned that they have really gone all out with the Halloween decor. They have put up a lot of the props, a lot of the decoration, a lot of the lighting effects that they use for Not Scary Farm. There's even some live entertainment, obviously socially distanced, that sort of thing. So as someone kind of hinted at me, in many ways, they're kind of doing everything they can, including like a little uh, pumpkin patch for kids, that sort of thing. Yes, they don't have all the monsters rolling around. Yes, they don't have the mazes and the zombie encounters. Yes, the rides aren't running. But you're getting a pretty good proximity of what the actual event will be, at least from the prop, the decor, and the lighting standpoint. So, you know, while Disneyland is sitting here wondering when they're going to be able to reopen, there was a lot of news with Disney recently, still waiting to see when they're going to be reopening. Uh, there's talk that Hong Kong Disney is going to be reopening soon. There was this really big deal about a plot of land right next to Hong Kong Disney. Disney had an option to purchase it, and it looks like it's coming right down to the wire. Disney has not exercised the option, and the government has said, well, if you don't purchase it by that date, it is not going to be made available to you again. It's going off to other things. Um, a lot of a lot of interesting things and of course with the state of the world being what they are not knowing when they can reopen various parks or ramp up capacity it was very interesting that we got some good news this week that our rep at SeaWorld wrote us and said that uh, a lot of the staff that had been furloughed are back on a part-time basis as they ramp up and they told us some really interesting things so one of the things right now is that children will receive free admission to the park through November 1st. It is operating under the safety guidelines and the mask and the limited capacities, that sort of thing. Uh, but they are going to be doing some SeaWorld spectaculars. So they're going to be having physically distanced Halloween uh, parties, cookie decorating, 
uh, Cookie Monster, Elmo, that sort of things. Apparently, there's going to be all kinds of Halloween events for people to go through, various food items, various shopping items. And, of course, this will also transition as they move toward uh, the holiday season. And they've said that this will also include uh, some Christmas and end-of-the-year events as well. I mean, they've talked about uh, various things with uh, candy corn, cotton candy, pumpkin cheesecake. They show a picture of a little girl in a witch costume with her mask on, going by and seeing the dolphins in the tank and that sort of thing. And part of this was to promote one of the uh, interesting aspects, and that is that their annual passes are coming up and uh, you know various ones have anywhere from 20 to 50 percent off various things at the park free parking unlimited guest admissions and of course essentially as i understand it if you buy the card now it's good through the rest of the year and all of 2021 as well so slowly seeing little tiny bits of progress as uh, the world is looking to adapt and try to get back to things and that is going to do it for us this week, folks. I hope you have a very safe and very happy week ahead. Until next week, take care, and we'll talk to you later.